0: All right, welcome back to the Hit Factor. We join you once again as a full crew. Jeff is finally getting a little bit of taste and smell back, uh, so he might he might make it back to as normal as whatever normal was for Jeff before this started.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, better, I'm gonna be better.
0: He's gonna be he's gonna be better than he was before
1: because I have a new appreciation for being healthy.
0: You have a new appreciation for you.
1: Yeah, just for being healthy, like for not oh. feeling like shit.
0: Oh. Yeah, that's probably yeah. good. Yeah. The other good news is is we're making Sasquatch work out. He, this, isn't, <laughs> this isn't public, so he's probably mad at me, but he can't do anything because he's like eight <laughs> hours away from me right now. So what's he going to do? Uh, so if you see Sasquatch, you need to ask him if he's got his reps in for the day. So all you boys at CZ, get on him make sure he does that because like sasquatch is like jeff and i've talked about this like okay sasquatch is kind of a freak of nature as is like it's like dude that's just and that's just like natural sitting on the couch drinking beer and it's like what would sasquatch be like if he like actually like put some effort in and got fit it might be freaky
2: but drinking beer on the couch is way more fun than lifting weights well,
0: you don't have to like you don't have to totally cut that out. We just, oh, okay. you just need
1: to,
0: you may have to you may have to cut it like reduce it, like moderate it a little bit, which I know that's not fun. But it's really more just adding the physical exercise to it.
1: Yeah. I mean, okay. Let's let's dive just a, a smidge more into this. I Jeremy's like- not he's not exaggerating. When he says Jared is a freak of nature, okay, it's, it's, it is not just that he has a massive head and massive hands and massive feet, okay? It's that he does nothing like Jeremy says. He, he works in like an office setting and he sits at home and he drinks a ton of alcohol, beer, and we, we already established this. It's a gallon a week. And, <laughs> And he looks like he lifts, okay? Like, he's got, like, the bicep vein. He's got big traps. He looks like he lifts and he does nothing. He's literally a freak. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, we're trying to see if we can actually, like, uh, like put a little bit of effort into that and see what see what happens to it.
1: Yeah. I think it's going to be freaky, honestly.
0: It might be. Let him drop like fifty pounds. <laughs>
2: fifty pounds put would put me at an unhealthy feeling weight. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> yes, dude. Yes it if would. he
1: dropped fifty pounds, his head wouldn't look right, dude. His body'd be too skinny.
0: His neck might stay the same size, so it'd look it it'd look alright. It would just like his mm-hmm. waist would just get trimmer.
1: 50 pounds i don't know maybe 25 he could,
0: he could lose 50 out of his waist and his legs and and he like it wouldn't be that that noticeable i don't
1: know Jared's, where do you Jared's where a you, big boy yeah where do you carry all your body fat jared
2: oh definitely right over top of my rock hard abs
1: in your gut yeah i mean some dudes just carry it in their ass dude
2: Mine's Might have to get a new gun belt.
0: Might be too big.
2: No, no. See, I would not have to get a new gun belt. I bought one of those Lynx belts. Oh, perfect so, segue. So I just <laughs> take a couple of links out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So since we're since we're, are we are we done with the fitness part, Jeff?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, we'll we'll have we'll have uh, we'll have checkups on Sasquatch and on how he's doing and stuff. Maybe we should just have like a. A weekly like weigh-in for Sasquatch. We'll make a video and put it on the Facebook page.
2: Well, I weigh in naked. so I don't think we can put that on the <laughs> Facebook page. Can I just wait when I get out of the shower? Jeff will edit
0: it and blur it out.
1: No, I'm not doing shit.
0: Uh, so uh, you got this. You got this new linkless belt thing, or not? Not linkless but yeah. link is it linkless is that what they call it links i think it's called links oh links spell yeah because it's it, it's link full it wouldn't be linkless. it'd be link full like what do you think of it because when i like when jeff and i saw that we kind of talked about this last week but we were both like uh that looks like it's just gonna not be it looks like cool idea but not actually all that great
2: okay so i saw it i thought it, it seemed kind of dumb so you thought, I need to buy this. No, I was like, I was like, ah, <laughs> like, oh, somebody local buy one, like check it out. And no one had bought one yet. And a couple other guys I know had got them are like, yeah, it's pretty good. It like, you know, for traveling and stuff, it's pretty good. I'm like, so I went ahead and just ordered one from our friend, Tim Myers, the pro shop. Absolutely. And honestly, kind of wasn't bad to put together, but I'm pretty impressed with the belt. If it proves durable. It'll be better than a standard belt. How so?
0: It's stiffer. <laughs> it's more rigid than a regular belt?
2: Yep. Like So, so like, uh, I'll say like muzzle down on your holster, like less movement out from the leg on the draw. The only area when I first put together, there was any movement that probably wasn't any more than a normal belt was. It's like when you hit the front of the mag pouch, it would let the mag patch move back a little bit on the hinge. Basically the hinge would move a little and I moved the mag patch over the hinge and it doesn't do that anymore. Hmm. So it's actually stiffer. But what I like is the, the Velcro on this thing is like fucking super glue onto a inner belt. Okay. So it's, it's still uh, an inner
0: belt, outer belt construction.
2: Yeah. It'll, it'll definitely shred an inner belt. Like my inner belt looks like it's got a year's use on it after like a week. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so did awesome. they send a new inner belt with that that has this
2: they did but i don't i don't use the double off inner belts oh can you send it to me i like those if you remind me i have like three new ones around here somewhere oh
0: perfect so
2: how uh how thick is it uh i'd say it's about the same thickness as a normal belt maybe slightly thinner okay i mean all my all my normal gear fit so boss hanger fit on it uh the double alpha mag patches spit on i haven't tried any others but and like is the
0: the double alpha outer belt was pretty thick like i mean like some some of like the cr speeds like that are molded like the mag patches that are molded would be pretty tough to get inside to get that belt to feed through them sometimes
2: yeah, right. I think th- this is probably a little bit thinner. My biggest concern is obviously with anything, you don't know how it's going to last to use it for a while. So it'll really just be if the plastic joints hold up. But if the plastic joints hold up, I- I'm- I'll be really happy with it.
0: And I hmm. guess it would be a thing probably like there's if there's going to be wear on those joints, it'll probably be on like one or two. And so then I guess you could just replace those, like replace like a small section of the belt.
2: Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'll use it for a little while. I mean, it's kind of like, I kind of view it this way. I'm okay with testing a bunch of random stuff because, well, I'm still shooting, but the uh, the primary nationals for me this year is already over, so it's kind of it's a good time to tinker. Yeah. So, price point on this belt? Uh, 70-some bucks, so it's a little bit more. I think it was it was either like 71 or something like that. It's a little bit more than... A, Regular double alpha belt. So, but,
0: it, it would you recommend at this point, not just just in initial impression, you got a new shooter who doesn't have a belt at all? They're buying a belt. Would you recommend them getting that one?
2: Not for a brand new shooter. It it, it adds a lot of cost for probably minimal advantage. Uh, now, if I if I use it for a month or two and I haven't broken anything and it looks like it's going to be durable, then I might change my opinion. Which I always, I generally replace my belt about once a year because the Velcro starts getting kind of weak. And I think this Velcro will last longer. And if it does prove to be the case, then it's a good value.
0: Yeah, I've that I kind of was in that same belt as far as uh, same, not belt, same that same, uh, whatever, whatever I'm trying to say. But I was in that same boat, not belt, boat. That's what I was trying to say. Uh, I haven't even drinking anything tonight yet, hardly. <laughs> uh, I was in that same boat as far as like replacing. I I figured it was about one belt a year. Um, and this the newer double alpha, I'm actually getting more more life out of it than that. Um, now this year I've probably put it put it on less than I have in typical past years, but uh, <clears throat> it is it is I'm getting more like closer to like a year and a half, uh, or even almost two years out of the double alpha belt.
2: Oh, uh, currently. I'm- I'm sure I could definitely push a belt farther. I just I get annoyed with them whenever they start like when the velcro is not sticking good and the overlap and stuff. It's just it's easier just to order the fifty five dollar belt sometime when you're ordering other stuff and just put a new one together. Just it's what I've done the last few years. Just put a new one together at the end of the year and then go on.
0: That yeah, that fifty five dollars could buy a decent bottle of whiskey.
2: But you just told me I had to drink less, so I'm being conservative in my spending. <sighs>
0: No, that's probably good.
1: Hey, while we're on gear, I have a comment about gear. Um, So I know we talked some shit on the XIP pouch a while back. The, uh, who makes that? Double Alpha? Is that a double Alpha patch? Yes. Pouch. Yeah, okay. So I have, I'm using one of those. I have the regular like Racer X's for the back four, but my front pouch, because of the adjustability, I want to try the XIP. Um so I use that pouch but it like pretty quickly if you're dry firing with it 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 wallers out and it moves around quite a bit and it won't won't hold a position. Uh just because of the the arm that sticks in sticks into the the side of the polymer, it's the polymer that wallers out. Um anyway, so fix for that you get a star washer and you stick it between that arm and the pouch. And you cinch it down real tight and then use it a little bit and cinch it down. And you keep cinching it down. Anyway, after you get it all cinched down and it's all like embedded into the polymer, um, mine has not budged in probably four weeks of dry firing. Uh, yeah, so I just wanted to throw that in there. If you can use a star washer between those, it's actually like a pretty freaking solid pouch.
2: I, I ran into the same thing with them and that's what I started out the season with and they're overall pretty good but the plastic on metal was what I found the shortfall on it as well. So actually I got a set of the metal double off ones I don't know maybe a month ago and they don't seem to have the same issue so it might be worth considering even if you're going to run the plastic ones for the rest of your pouches, your
1: front your first pouch takes the most beating. It yeah. might be worth throwing the metal one on the front. Might be, but I'm just telling people that if you already have a set of XIPs and you're frustrated because they're getting uh, getting loose, it's a good fix. Because mine was pretty bad before I put that washer in there, and now it hasn't moved at all.
0: That sounds just like how the uh, the CR speed mag pouches is attached to their holder. Really. Star washer with teeth. I guess you call it a star washer. I, I think we're referring to the same.
1: No, I mean, this is like, it's just a big rectangular uh, shape that like fits into a rectangular hole in the pouch. Okay. And that like works back and forth and, and wiggles that hole, that rectangular hole and makes it bigger. So you take like a star washer from Home Depot and stick it in there and let it bite into the polymer. And it doesn't fit in there, right? Like it, there's no room for a star washer in there. Like you're, you're mashing it in there when you tighten it together and you can't see it and it doesn't affect how the pouch sits on the the arm, but it fixes the issue.
0: Cool. I mean, that sounds like a, sounds like good advice for anybody that has that. Uh, yeah. That's the same. That's really similar to that same, same yeah. washer that CR speed kind of uses.
1: Yeah, yeah, so think. I guess if you are buying new pouches, then yeah, probably do it, what Jared did. But if you already have a set of XIPs, then you might try it.
0: Yeah, yeah that that setup would probably last you a year because that's about what those CR speeds
2: would do.
1: Yeah, I think this one will last a while. We'll see, though.
2: And, and I guess, since we're all on the topic of gear, I'll mention my new holster, which is also the same as Jeremy's hat he's wearing. I got one of the gX products holsters. they're awesome huh the The lock is cool, not to mention he had a this like really bright cryptic I think camo pattern at Nationals. yeah so I had to make me one of those. It's cool. I really like the lock though.
0: Yeah, the nice. lock. I mean, the lock is like I love the lock because um, I oftentimes like I leave the like I leave my gun in my holster, like and then I take the belt off, and so the man that like maybe nobody else does that, but I do that and like set it on my workbench, and then you know sometime during the day I might put put the belt back on and dry fire or whatever. Uh, but man, having that lock on there is super nice. I don't have to worry about it like tipping and falling out. Hmm. hmm. But the, Pretty cool. the, 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 but it's not just the lock thing. Like, I think people may, may think of that GX nail as like, oh, that seems cool. Like, they got a lock deal, but you don't actually need the lock, which is, it's true. You don't actually need it. It's, it's handy at times, but you don't actually need it. But the holster, like, for me, why I was so sold on it is like the holster itself is the nicest Kydex holster that I've experienced. And I've had a lot of different ones. Um, and the fit and finish on it, the rigidity of it, like, it's the nicest one that I've
2: that I've used yeah well and, and I mean, I'll note that like I was using the pro shop long shadow holster before which I wasn't unhappy with that but I just thought the lock was cool and wanted to get something new so yeah you can I'm still use it with, it. with the, uh,
0: yeah you can still use it with the pro shop hanger which is good yeah. like it works it works well with that it'll work with probably almost any hanger out there um, I don't think Leif has his own hanger yet I, he n- knowing Leif, I'm assuming he's is working on that like he's like mechanical like he's just really into to bring in new stuff so I would be surprised if he's not working on his own hanger but it works with he can make it work with pretty much anyone and the pro shop okay. hanger is is great
2: uh, and I, I've, I've tried several different hangers and so far the pro shop ones been my favorite for its adjustability, but as simple as this, you just, you yep. don't break them. They, they hold up. Yeah. Yeah. They,
0: golly, they, they'll take a beating and there's not that much stuff in the sport that will take a beating and
2: keep on going. No, and I'm very good at breaking things.
1: Just Jared's pride. <laughs> Sorry. It just came to me. I had to throw it out there. Wow. <laughs> 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 Okay, now that I've interrupted that, I got some good topics here. I don't know if they're good topics, but they're topics sent to me in an email by uh, Randy G. We shot Bighorn. Jared and I did with Randy. Uh, And he said he was going to send in some questions, so I got a couple here. Um, a lot of this email is just a review of the match, which we've already talked about, so I'm really not going to go into the the rest of it. He basically just reiterates all the great things about the uh, about the range there uh, in Grand Junction, or around Grand Junction. Cameo. Isn't that what it is? Okay, cameo. Yeah. Um, but we got a couple questions in here that we're going to answer. They're not super in-depth, but they're good questions. So, the first one is, uh, do top shooters in the same division shoot the targets in the same order, a.k.a. the same stage plan? Jeff and Jared didn't always shoot them in the same order. I rarely saw them talking about how to shoot the stage between themselves. It's because I am pissed at Jared.
2: There might be another reason for them not talking during in the middle of that match. So, so I'm going to go with no on that because sometimes you're going to shoot some stuff in what's more comfortable to you. So for instance, I know some people, if they can avoid it, they don't ever want to leave on steel is a good example. So they might shoot a little less ideal and shoot the steel first and like Personally, if I have if it's not gonna cost me anything, it's my preference to shoot left or right. Or let's say whenever you have stacks of targets, I, all, I like to shoot the bottom target, then raise the gun to the top target. Where I know some people will shoot the top target and then lower the gun. So some sometimes on that stuff there'll be difference. And then even when you when you talk about the same stage being shot with multiple plans, I mean, sometimes it could just be choosing the wrong plan, but other times it'll just be a good stage. It it might be a wash to shoot between two different ways, and you're going to do the one that feels most comfortable to you. I know there was a couple at Bighorn that had a little bit of option there on which way to shoot it, and I don't think it was – you weren't out anything shooting a different plan, but you didn't have to shoot it one way.
1: Okay. Jeremy?
0: Uh, I mean, as far as, like, the – I think the question was, like, do top competitors, like, talk about stage plans and do they shoot – do they always shoot it all the same way? Um,
1: yeah, the primary question is, do top shooters in the same division shoot targets in the same order?
0: Uh, I mean, I think, like, if you put up just, like, a stand-and-shoot, then – It's going to be fairly similar, but Jared is right. Like, like, yeah, I shoot left to right if at all possible. Um, if it makes sense at all. Uh, like I know Casey Reed, he loves, he prefers to shoot right to left. So like, if you were to watch us shooting stages, like if you came up, we were coming into an array that had just a bank of three or four targets, he's going to almost always shoot it right to left. And I would almost always shoot it left to right, assuming there aren't any other influences on that as far as what you're coming in on. And so, yeah, you'll, you'll see some differences like that and stuff. Like Jared said, some people will shoot, like if you have kind of steel in an array, you know, they may kind of decide where they can, they might shoot the steel in a little bit different manner, um, based on they might shooting it last or first or in the middle of paper or, or something like that. You may, you may see, see that happening. Um, as far as just like overall stages and stuff like that. What I've what I've seen with most top shooters is they will they want to discuss stage plans for the most part. If they, if they if they perceive you to be like a smart person, a good shooter, like you come up with good plans, like they will definitely like ask opinions. Like, what do you think about doing this? What do you think about this? Um, and usually, they, I mean, most of the top shooters will have their own opinion. Like, they have like they. They will come up with their own plan, and usually most of them will come up with a good plan. Um, but most of them will will have at least somebody else that, that that's a sounding board that they'll talk through stuff with. And they may still, like, when Jeff and I shoot together, when he was shooting a real gun, we would we would often talk stage plans. Like, we, we would, we'd go to matches together. We'd talk stage plans ahead of time and stuff like that. He'd sometimes yell at me, and that's fine. But... <laughs> We it was it was very often that we shot comp- very different plants, um, and I don't like, and it was it was almost never like, yeah, that plan just that plan was two seconds slower. Like you just lost ten percent because that plan was bad. Uh, it was just Jeff has Jeff sees things weirdly.
1: Like he was. There were some of those though. Some of those that, uh, like I remember one stage in particular that like. I shot it and then you shot it and I was just like, Yeah, his his plan was like three seconds faster.
0: <laughs> and sometimes and sometimes that happens. Like like our sport is unique in that like like sometimes man, going first or going like I got burned one time on a stage at Nationals that like I was on the super squad and we were all talking about shooting it and there was some target like and so they were all like, Yeah, let's shoot it like this and I was the first guy up. And I shot it. and It didn't go so well. I was the last person who shot that stage like that. Like there was, there was nobody else <laughs> who shot it like that. Uh, yeah. Sometimes and, you're the guinea pig. And that's, you know, that's kind of that's the it's kind of the fun part about our sport is sometimes it, it in the end it's up to you to figure out what you think is the best stage plan. Uh, and that that always that comes with experience and and fi- figuring stuff out.
2: You know, one one note too on that, like on a stage plan is you also it's not always this way but there's going to be times just cuz you see someone else do, do it does not mean it's your plan is necessarily wrong like you you need to shoot something that is comfortable to you because if you're confident in the plan you're probably going to have a better result than shooting a plan that you have no idea if you can actually execute
0: yeah yep yeah and i will say like like i'll be honest like there's there are times where i see like elite level shooters that shoot stage plans and it's like what the crap are you th- like that's stupid like why are you doing that like that's that's clearly not the best way but then like but they're their shooting overcomes it it's like almost even with a bad plan it's really not that big of a deal uh it's just like that was that was silly but you made it work so that's fine um so like everybody has everybody comes up with there's lots of times you see a a C class shooter that man they break a stage wide open that that all like the GMs had already shot it and like a some C class shooter comes through and they they figure it out they figure something out that's way better and it, like you just everybody has good stuff and everybody comes you're gonna shoot a stupid stage plan at some point it's just gonna happen but you're gonna hopefully learn from it if you're new then try to watch as many good shooters as you can and and see what they come up with
1: yeah um okay so to me this this question is kind of a lot to unpack um do top shooters in the same division shoot targets in the same order um no not really because everybody has different strengths uh kind of what we were talking about like and that's kind of what a lot of the top shooters have figured out right is that they're gonna shoot the stage that's that's gonna be the best way for them. They're gonna play to their strengths. Everybody knows in the top ranks of the sport, everyone knows to do that. Um, everyone knows just because Jared shot it left to right doesn't mean I'm gonna shoot it left to right because maybe I shoot better right to left or maybe I shoot better shooting targets top to bottom. Uh, everybody's gonna play to their strengths, okay? Um, but to go with that, there are rules of thumb, right? Um, there are shoot targets left to right or right to left. Uh, don't, don't hop around all the time, right? That's a rule of thumb. Another rule of thumb, don't leave on steel. It's a rule of thumb. Okay. Uh, if you rolled into every position and just shot by the rules of thumb, it'd probably be a shitty plan because, uh, you, you wouldn't be playing to your strengths, so to say, uh, you can make a stage way better than just applying a rule of thumb every time you show up to a position. Um, so, yeah, everybody's going to shoot a little different. I shoot different than almost everybody I've shot with because I'm shooting how I think I'm going to shoot it the best, not necessarily the best way to shoot the stage. I'm shooting it the best way I can shoot the stage. Uh, yeah, I think that's kind of all I had on that one.
2: What you say saying there, if you remind me of what, uh, Jeremy, I think Jeremy said it last week on the podcast is that those very elite top guys have a lot of awareness of their own shooting. And that's where some of those differences are going to come from. They're going to pick what is best beneficial to them.
1: Yep. For sure.
2: Yeah.
0: Like you watch Ben shoot versus JJ shoot. Like it's it's usually, it's radically different, right? I mean, like their, their entire styles, their teaching styles, even like they're, that's very, very different. And you see them shoot the sages and they look very different, but when they lash shot against each other, like in production stuff, like it was always like, they were always really, really, really close, um, by the end of the, by the end of the deal. So there's lots of different ways to skin that chicken.
1: Yeah. So, uh, don't be somebody's guinea pig uh, you know if you're if you're walking up to shoot a stage and somebody's already shot it and they're telling you to do this plan but this plan doesn't really make sense to maybe your style of shooting or what you're good at uh, or what you're comfortable with don't be somebody's guinea pig uh, you know maybe accept accept the information they're giving you but ultimately you need to shoot it how you're comfortable shooting it Adam, especially at a match, you know, practice that's different, you know, get out of your comfort zone, but in a match, you need to shoot what's comfortable, in my opinion. Anything else on that one? I think that's good. Okay, next one's very similar. Uh, when given the option, should you always leave on paper when changing positions instead of leaving on a steel target. I briefly spoke to Jeff about this during the stage walkthrough. He decided to leave on a large steel popper. He was not concerned about it. I think that
2: really comes down to depends. Like a hard mini popper or something, and it's not going to be a huge loss to shoot it earlier. I'm absolutely not going to leave on it. But say you have a big steel popper where it's the most logical target to leave on like it's going to be the target I leave on. So you're 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 weighing the risk. <clears throat> you're weighing the risk versus the reward there.
0: You okay? <laughs>
1: God damn.
2: <laughs> now I got something in my throat. Uh. <laughs> Yes. You're going to, you're going to weigh the risk versus the reward there. I mean, sometimes it's it, it, like you said, rule of thumb, if you have the option of not leaving on steel, it's generally better to not leave on steel, but I'm also not going to like swing past a popper to, or s- swing past a paper and then shoot a popper and then swing way back to another piece of paper again or something.
1: Right. So, That's where I'm you're, not, you're getting uh, those two, you're getting two rule of thumbs colliding, right?
2: Yeah, and I'm not going to make the shooting more complicated than I have to. So, I think that
0: that rule of thumb is an interesting one, right? Because it's don't leave on a popper. Well, why not? Like if I hit the popper no big deal. Well, it's because it's the the rule of thumb is like don't leave a popper cuz you may F up. And it's so it's like that rule of thumb and that like thinking is all like it's it's very negative like it's it's bracing yourself for for screwing up it's basically saying well there's a good chance i'm going to screw up here a good chance i'm going to miss so i'm not going to shoot that last uh so that's it's not necessarily a bad rule of thumb like that's not like like you can get burned like you like you got a 20 yard mini poppy you you pull it take a shot at it and you you break your grip and act like you're going to leave that's a second to come back and you miss it. That's a second to come back and hit it, right? Like, like, that's very detrimental to your stage plan. But it's also, I think, detrimental to your mentality to be thinking, well, I might miss it, so I'm going to I'm gonna do something so I don't shoot it last. Um, I think, for me, when I look at a stage, I always try to look at what is the most efficient way to shoot this stage, period. Like, just the most efficient way to go through the whole stage and at that point then you start you start examining the risk that you're taking to do that like the the most efficient way to shoot a stage you may have a a half covered partial at 12 yards that's oh wide open you could shoot on the move but you like that may be the most efficient way to do it like okay I'm going to actually try to post up here to shoot that cuz my shooting on the move isn't may not isn't as good as I'm not confident enough in making that shot so then you so then you adjust that stage plan right so it's it becomes just a risk reward and, and I think yeah Jared I mean I'm kind of saying what Jared said I'm using more words maybe but yeah if you go up to a position and you've got paper and steel it's it's a matter and this is where you see this is where you see the top shooters shooting orders and stuff differently is some will come on like they want to come in on a paper like so you've got a, wide, a couple of wide open paper and then too many poppers at 15 yards. Some people will want to come in and they can shoot those paper right away while they're settling. Then they're settled on that steel, but they're also leaving on that steel. Other people will want to come in and they will come in on the steel because they want to get set up solid. They'll shoot that and they'll shoot the paper as they're exiting the position. Um, and it's just, again, that's a way that's kind of a, what do you feel most comfortable at in that deal? Um, I tend to in that situation. I would come in on the two paper, shoot them on the move as I'm coming in, and then hopefully I'm steady enough to shoot the steel, and I'll leave on the steel. Uh, I'm fine with that. To me, the the taking forever, taking a while to get set up on a steel, I don't, I don't like that. So, like that, that's where you start seeing people shooting stuff, a lot of stuff in different order. Is it's, it's really, it's their, it's their risk management decisions and is it riskier to come in on the steel or come in on the paper and leave on the steel? Uh, That's, that's where that, that kind of comes in.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And just like anything too, you, you talk about mini poppers, a mini popper at, you know, 15 yards is a substantially harder target than a full size popper at 10 yards.
0: Yeah. So I I don't, I don't really abide. I don't personally abide by that rule. Um, but if it's a, if it doesn't matter, like, yeah, I'll shoot paper last.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So question, should you leave on paper or not leave on steel or whatever? Um, I've seen top people, top shooters do this every way. Uh, I've even seen. Someone like uh, Jacob Hetherington skip over targets, do weird stuff in, in an array just so he can do what he knows he's good at, which is shooting on the move. We know Jacob's great at shooting on the move. Uh, so he'll, he'll like come in, shoot a target, a paper target, so he can shoot in on the move, and then he'll jump around. And skip targets in an array so that he can hit this other target shooting out on the move. I've seen him do that in videos. Uh, so it it really comes down to doing what you're comfortable with. Uh, at uh, Like something I'm really comfortable with is, is hitting what I'm aiming at, right? Under pressure. Like I've got eight rounds. There's eight targets. Too many poppers. I'm comfortable pretty much. Uh, and I think that comes from shooting single stack for so long, where it's like you just get comfortable having just enough bullets, right? Uh, so it's like when I need to make a shot, I'm comfortable taking the time to make that shot. So if, I mean, especially if it's a large popper, uh, I'm just not really worried about it. I'm, I'm not concerned about that shot. If I need to leave on that shot, if that's the most optimal way to come in and leave on that large popper, I'm, I'm comfortable taking the time to make sure I'm going to make that shot. Uh, you know, for other people, the risk is like Jeremy said: uh, you miss that shot, and then you you take half a step, and then you got you got to take half a step back and reestablish and shoot that shot because because not many people are shooting and then waiting to see if the popper goes down. Right? They're gonna they're gonna break the shot and they're gonna take off. Uh, so. Yeah. I mean, it just comes down to again, what you're comfortable with. It's just like the kind of like the last question. You, you got to play to your strengths. There are, there are rules of thumb. Yeah. Like Jeremy said, if, if it doesn't matter, then yeah, I'm, I'm probably not going to leave on the steal if it doesn't matter. Um, but if it does matter, if it's the best plan to leave on that popper for me, I'm comfortable taking that shot. So I'm not going to avoid taking that shot
2: yeah well and, you know kind of like you know jeremy said there too yeah you talk about how how hard the popper is and stuff and like how you're moving off it if it's simply you're just moving it's a lot lower risk but say you're you're falling out of that position or you're trying to to backpedal out well that that changes a lot too on say a mini popper or something compared to a big popper or paper and it's like jeremy said sh- Finding the what he thinks is the most efficient way to shoot the plan or to shoot the stage. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's such a, it's such I, a nuanced
0: question. That it's yeah, tough to, and it, I think rules of thumb. and I think I think people get in trouble having rules of thumb for how they're going to shoot a stage. Like I'm, yeah. I have these, I have these set rules. I'm gonna do. I think people get themselves in trouble a little bit. Um, cause they start trying to apply all that stuff before they figure out what's the best way to shoot it.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think people should put what they're good at over rules of thumb. Uh, put what you're comfortable at, what you can do best in front of rules of thumb, you know, shoot it how you would be comfortable and then, then see if it needs to change for, for another rule, you know, uh, there's just so much that goes into each position. I think there's there's so much that you think about, right? And it's like
2: Jeremy said, weighing the risk of the, risk versus the reward. You know, a, a zebra target at twelve yards on the move. If you're not a hundred percent confident that you can shoot that ten times out of ten times, yeah, it might be a little slower to to stop and shoot it. But your risk versus your reward is much higher. You're you're probably giving up a little bit to whoever's going to win the stage, but you're much better giving up three tenths of a second instead of giving up, you know, 15 points on a mic.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, those were the only two questions in this email. I thought they were pretty solid. I've got some other stuff. Y'all want to tackle something else?
2: Let's yeah. It. Do a couple more.
1: Okay, here's a simple one. Which division has the nicest competitors and which division has the shittiest and why?
2: Okay, I'm going to go with Revolver has the nicest because they're all like your great-grandpa.
0: Let's just take revolver. out of it. Like revolver doesn't really even count. Like it's not. Yeah. it's not really a division. That's like,
1: like, yeah, it's a good way to sides. They have the equation. nicest
0: shooters. Uh, okay, there's ten of them. Like okay, they're the they're the nicest shoot. They're in the nice division. <laughs> there's ten of them. Okay, that's good. Uh, I mean it's not. We all know it's not open shooters, right? Like we know it's not open or PCC because they're all. They're all douchebags that like don't ever paste or s- set up or like they don't ever help. Like they're like it's not them, right? Oh my gosh. Does everybody agree with that?
1: <laughs> no. I mean, well, I don't. No, you think you really open disagree, shooters, but are I don't agree. The
0: nicest.
2: You know what? I'm gonna go with Carry Optics is the nicest because it seems to be the the landing spot for the bulk of the newer shooters. And newer newer shooters are always like way more happy and excited to be there.
1: That's some interesting logic. I mean so I, would saying- I, I would almost say
0: I would Jeff, you were talking. Keep going. <laughs> you were talking.
1: No, I wasn't. I don't have anything to say. I don't even remember what I was saying now.
0: Something about new shooters.
2: Uh, so, so, people I mean, who have, so yeah, people don't who have know been in this a sport division. a while are shitty. No, I'm saying you're more likely <laughs> to be jaded and angry if you've been doing it for a while. Go ahead Jeremy. That may be
0: true. I don't know. I mean I don't I don't know which ones are like I feel like the divisions do have like there are personalities that get drawn to certain divisions I think. Um I think that is somewhat true, but I don't say no that like those personalities are nicer or meaner than other ones. Like you might would say production but then it's like well Ben's kind of been the face of production for the last 10 years and <laughs> If that's the case, then like not exactly the nicest person in the sport. I mean, if he okay. likes you, then he'll be nice to you. If he doesn't like you, then it's it's not uh
1: I, so I don't I can't, I can't really answer sure. that.
0: No, Ben's not like foley. He doesn't just bought people just for the crap, just because they say something they don't like. He's not <laughs> like that. Uh yeah. I mean I think the, uh, for the most part, like the single stack super squads are usually pretty nice because like they're all like old buddies and they've been buddies for a long time. Like, like Rob and Phil and Mike and Todd Jarrett, like all those like old names in the sports, so to speak. Um, like they're all, they're all pretty nice. I used to think Mike Seclander was a big time jerk and it, he just doesn't talk like. And yeah. unless Rob is there and Rob gets him to t- like Rob makes him talk because Rob will just like Rob doesn't care if, if Mike's trying to be serious. Rob will just like throw raisins at him or something and make him make him chill out a little bit. But Jeff, what so do you think? What's the nice answer division? to
1: the your answer to the nicest division is single stack.
0: Yep, I'm going to go single stack.
1: I think Even I'm gonna go it's with single the single stack them, yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, if you take Jeremy out of single stack, it's definitely the nicest division. Um, but <laughs> yeah. I probably do um, bring that down a little bit. That's not do. true. You I'm actually pretty
0: nice at matches. I feel like what I feel like I'm nicer about? in what person. What are you talking about? Um, I'm a pretty nice person. Yeah, I'm going to go with single stack for sure. I don't like, sure. scowl at people like if they come up to, and talk. Do you think I'm mean at matches? Only since you no started
2: carpooling Jeff everywhere. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that uh, might be Jeff's problem. Is he hears all my commentary once we get back in the car.
1: Could be. It could be. What? Am I still frozen? What else you got? Well, I, I was just going to say single stack. I think single stack is the nicest division.
0: Yeah, that's that's the right answer. Good job.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay, so who's the shittiest division, Jared? Or shittiest people in a division?
2: I don't really think there's a division with the shittiest people.
1: That's such a cop out. Jared so PC. I,
2: if if I had to pick, I'm going to go with PC's I'm going to go with PCC because they brought a rifle to a pistol match.
1: Okay. All right. Jeremy.
0: I, I mean like PCC, may be that, I think they're the dumbest division. Like, like anybody that like just chooses to shoot piece, like chooses to shoot a rifle at a pistol match. They're clearly not that smart. Um, but like the, the biggest jerks, I think it like they're the open shooters. Like they, like they think they're better than everybody, because they're they're faster. When they just bought their, they just bought their way to speed. Like they're not actually good, right? Like the good shooters shoot like production and single stack and stuff. Open, but open shooters think they're good, so they they just treat everybody like crap. That's the like that's just the open stereotype. I'm not. I'm being a little bit facetious here. Hopefully, people can hear that. But I would think people
2: would understand sarcasm.
0: But there, but there is some truth to that, right? Like, like if you go shoot several matches, like you will kind of notice, like the open shooters are always like, like they're not, they're going to do less resetting and setting up because they're always jacking Whoa. with their mags and doing stuff like that, and
2: they've got to clean their scope.
0: They got to clean their scope. Like they get just a little bit of, uh, they get a bit of a complex sometimes that they're that they're better and they got other stuff to do that's more important than helping helping reset stuff.
2: Yeah, but if you had a car in your range bag in the form of pistols, you would be that way too.
0: I mean, the value of the guns in my range bag are probably pretty similar to, I mean, I didn't actually pay for them I built them myself, but they're probably pretty similar to what most people have in their open guns.
2: I, don't, I actually don't know what an open gun costs today, but I, I'll bet it's really easy to spend like $8,000 plus dollars
0: yeah, I mean I think if you're going like custom shop route, I think you're you're in I think you're kind of in that uh probably starting at 6 and like 6 to 9 depending on what all you want. Again, I don't I don't build those guns so I'm not totally sure what that market is, but I think that's I think that 6 is kind of where it's at. I think Eddie is I think Eddie for an open gun I think is like six, starts at like 65. <clears throat> I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's about where Eddie starts.
2: All right, what's the shittiest division, Jeff?
1: Uh, open for sure. Why? Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's a division I've seen the most squabbles in. Uh, people get the most angry in. I'm not saying all open shooters are terrible, but it's it's the the division I've seen the most stuff in.
2: We're going to take up, like, a GoFundMe to get internet to, to Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, I don't know what's going on. It keeps kicking me off. keeps kicking me off on my phone, man.
2: All right. Sorry,
0: guys. We kind of got a little technical difficulties for the last few minutes. But uh, nicest division, basically the consensus is single stack shooters. Meanest division, consensus is pretty much open shooters. And that's that's where we're at. So... Do your part. Be nicer, open shooters. Okay, that's it. Y'all end it. It's like <laughs> the most awkward, like, worst ending ever.
2: That's fine, though.
1: Oh, stop recording, damn it.